Ask not what your country can do for you. There's a last man! I've got to be in the lead! The giant was a bullet! Peter, oh, you little mouse, so won't you go away? One ringy-dingy. Hand off to Griffin, cracks the middle, gets the five. Touchdown, Ohio State! Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning into episode 30 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. The title of this collection is a little deceiving. Yes, you will hear Bing Crosby singing, but you will hear several selections of the Longines Symphonette without him singing. I don't have a problem with that. So let's listen to some beautiful music and a beautiful voice in Volume 30, Bing's Loved Songs, Part 1. to accentuate the positive. Written in 1944 by Harold Arlen with lyrics by Johnny Mercer. 
wait, there were no lyrics in the version you just heard, yet it comes from a Bing Crosby collection. Only one of the many mysterious things about this album that I'll try to clear up later. Or not. So why did I pick this album? Well, we've actually mentioned his name a few times on this podcast. And since there are six records in this collection, I thought we should get to it. Bing Crosby is one of the smoothest crooners there ever was. Even Frank Sinatra grew up listening to and idolizing him. So let's hear a song that old Blue Eyes made even more popular than this version by Bing. Written by Irving Berlin in 1923. All right, let's learn about the album that I have chosen for this episode. The Longines Symphonette, Bing Crosby Treasury, The Songs I Love. The label is the Longines Symphonette Society. Now, it doesn't have a number. 
which leads to the problem I'll be discussing here in a few moments. It's a six-vinyl LP stereo box set. was released in 1966. Its genre is jazz, pop, stage, and screen. Its style is vocal, swing, musical, big band, and easy listening, and we will be listening to the first record in this collection. Now, this is where things go weird. In Discogs, the app and website that I use to catalog all of this music, there are two collections with exactly the same title. Each listing has a different album cover and different tunes. Now, when I initially looked up the album, I merely selected the album cover that matched my dad's. But when I started to research and record this episode, I realized that the song titles listed on the Discogs page didn't match was which was what was listed in the album in my hand. Somehow my dad had the album cover for version A, yet the music inside was for version B. And it got a little weirder as I read a couple of reviews for the album as I was looking into this. Here's one review. These are not Bing Crosby songs. They're what he liked and what probably influenced him. Just thought I'd point that out because I missed that. But the, st- the set is still pretty good. Unquote. And now review two. The cover is very deceptive. I inherited this box set. For example, on disc one, Crosby sings two songs out of 14. The other 12 songs are played by the Longines Symphonette Orchestra, heavy on the string section. Nowhere on the outer cover, the inner box, or the labels of the discs themselves does it indicate which songs are vocals, unquote. Now, that was another clue that something was amiss. On my dad's disc, one, which you are hearing on this episode, there are only 10 songs, and Bing sings on six of them. That's what tipped me off that there might be two versions of this album out there. I was so confused. It drove me crazy for about a day while I was researching this collection for this episode. Then I just chucked it up to my dad and his unique finds. So thanks for keeping me on my toes, dad. You know what, though? It is still a cool collection. And since there are no liner notes, we'll get right into the value of the album listed on Discogs anyways. The highest value came in at $20.83, the lowest at $1.39, with a median at $7.69. Now, I could not find a copy with the same cover I have, so I'll give you the value of the other version eBay had $12 to $24, Amazon had several used under $19, and one new one for $100. Way to go, Amazon. You had been disappointing me lately in these values. Now, my dad's collection is in pretty good shape. There's very little hissing on much of this record. The box set cover is still in good shape. I'll call the record good, the cover good, and value my dad's collection at $5. Now, two more from the Symphonette.
spinning my dad's vinyl. Jubilee, written in 1938 by Ralph Ranger, and before that, Cheek to Cheek, written by Irving Berlin in 1935. All right, let's learn about today's artist. Harry Lillis Crosby Jr. was born May 3, 1903, and died October 14, 1977. He was an American singer, actor, songwriter, and comedian. The first multimedia star. He was one of the most popular and influential musical artists of the 20th century. He was a leader in record sales, radio ratings, and motion picture grosses from 1930 to 1957. He made over 70 feature films and recorded more than 1,600 songs. His early career coincided with recording innovations that allowed him to develop an intimate singing style that influenced many male singers who followed him, like Perry Como, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Dick Hames, Elvis Presley, and John Lennon. Yank Magazine said that he was the person who had done the most for the morale of overseas servicemen during World War II. In 1948, American polls declared him the most admired man alive, ahead of Jackie Robinson and Pope Pius XII. In 1948, Music Digest estimated that his recordings filled more than half of the 80,000 weekly hours allocated to recorded radio music. 
Crosby won the Academy Award for Best Actor for his performance in Going My Way in 44 and was nominated for its sequel, The Bells of St. Mary's, in 1945, opposite Ingrid Bergman, becoming the first of six actors to be nominated twice for playing the same character. In 1963, Crosby received the first Grammy Global Achievement Award. He is one of 33 people to have three stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in the categories of motion pictures, radio, and audio recording. He was also known for his collaborations with friend Bob Hope, starring in The Road 2 films from 1940 to 1962. Crosby influenced the development of the post-war recording industry. After seeing a demonstration of a German broadcast-quality reel-to-reel tape recorder bought, brought to America by John T. Mullen, he invested $50,000 in a California electronics company called Ampex to build copies. He then convinced ABC to allow him to tape his shows. He became the first performer to pre-record his tape, show, his, tape his radio shows and master his commercial recordings onto magnetic tape. And it's really interesting. I have several dozen Ampex tapes still in my uh, in my collection. Through the medium of recording, he constructed his radio programs from the with the same directorial tools and craftsmanship used in motion picture production, a practice that became an industry standard. In addition to his work with early audio tape recording, he helped to finance the development of videotape, bought television stations, bred racehorses, and co-owned the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team, during which time the team won two World Series, 1960 and 1971. And we will definitely dive deeper into this artist in future episodes of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. But now, let's get back to him singing. Tears will fall 
As you recall the moon in all its splendor, the kiss so very tender, the world will you surrender to me, Marie? There is Marie. Written by, who else? Irving Berlin in 1924. Also sung by Sergeant Schultz in an episode of Hogan's Heroes. (laughs) All right, time now for this episode's interesting side note. He got his name from a comic strip in the Spokesman Review. Born Harry Lillis Crosby in Tacoma, Bing moved with his family to Spokane when he was three years old. The new name found him when he was seven. At the time, the Spokesman Review ran a comics page feature called The Bingville Bugle, which was a parody of hillbilly newspapers. Little Harry thought it was a real hoot and laughed uproariously whenever he read it. A neighbor, 15-year-old Valentine Hobart, noticed the laughter and started calling him Bingo from Bingville. The nickname was soon shortened to Bing and stuck with him for the rest of his life. And I want to thank Bradford Brady and John Marin of the Bristol Herald Courier for that little tidbit there. Okay, now one for me and one for... Who was I missing? It's a quarter to three There's no one in the place Excepting you and me So set them up, Joe I got a little story I think you'd ought to know We're drinking, my friend To the end of a brief episode Make it one for my baby One more for the road I got the routine So drop another nickel In the machine I'm feeling so bad I wish you'd make the music Dreamy and sad I could tell you a lot But you've got to be true To your code Make it one for my baby One more never know it, but buddy, I'm kind of a poet, and I got a lot of things to say, and when I'm building, you simply gotta listen to me, until it's talked away, well that's how it goes. And Joe, I know you're getting anxious to close 
So thanks for the cheer I hope you didn't mind me bending your ear Ah, this torch that I found It must be drowned Or it soon might explode Make it one for my baby And one more for the road That long, long road I'll pick up the tab in the morning, huh, Joe? There is One For My Baby, written by Harold Arlen with lyrics by Johnny Mercer for the 1943 movie musical The Sky's the Limit. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. This was one of those episodes where I'm thankful I have the internet at my disposal. It took a lot of research to track down exactly what I had here in my dad's collection. It's so odd that I could not find any other mention of the version of this album other than on Discogs.com. Nonetheless, Derbingle is always a good choice when you want to hear the best crooners and original stars of radio recordings and the big screen. By the way, the nickname Derbingle was common among Crosby's German listeners and came to be used by his English-speaking fans, and I first heard it on, you guessed, an episode of Hogan's Heroes. Okay, let's finish up with a song written by another Irving. Sugar walks down the street All the little birdies go tweet, tweet, tweet And in the evening when the sun goes down It's never dark when she's around She's so affectionate and I'll say this When she kisses me I sure stay kissed When my sugar walks down the street The little birdies go tweet, tweet, tweet sun goes down Ain't never dark when baby's around She's so affectionate and I'll say this When she kisses me man I'm kissed When my sugar walks down the street The little birdies go tweet, tweet, tweet 
When my sugar walks down the street The little birdies go tweet, tweet, tweet When My Sugar Walks Down the Street, written by Irving Mills and Jimmy McHugh. Well, thanks for tuning into Volume 30, Bing's Loved Songs, Part 1, However You Did. If you want more information about this podcast, head over to SpinningMyDad'sVinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops with Volume 31, Pictures at an exhibition. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. <laughs>